Hi, and welcome to the Part 3 with me podcast. The show that helps Part 3 students jumpstart into their careers as qualified architects and also to provide refresher episodes for practicing architects. I am your host, Maria Scudari. And before I start today's episode, I just wanted to say uh, a big thank you to the people uh, that have been reaching out to me and saying um, how great they find and how useful they find the podcast. Uh, so thank you so much. It's always great to hear from you guys. Um, and any uh, content suggestions you might have, uh, definitely feel free to either email me or contact me on Instagram at part three with me. Uh, and also thank you to the people that have reached out um, expressing their interest in the mentoring services. That's greatly appreciated and thank you for reaching out. Uh, and if any more of you are interested in hearing a bit more about that, again, feel free to either send me an email uh, in the address uh, provided in the episode notes or um, contact me on Instagram at part3withme. Um, and let's jump into today's episode. So today I will be covering uh, risk assessments and today's episode meets PC3 of the part three criteria. So managing health and safety is essential in managing uh, a business and risk assessments are required to identify the risks in the workplace, the measures required to be adopted to control them and maintaining their control. Uh, typically there are two types of risk assessments, uh, general and specific. General assessments are required by employers to make an assessment of the health and safety risks to which employees and others are exposed to on construction sites and significant findings must be recorded where five or more people are employed. Uh, now, when it comes to specific assessments, this is where regulations require risk assessments to be carried out for specific hazards and to state more thoroughly what is required. For example, these can include uh, work at risk, hazardous substances, manual handling, noise, vibration and lead. So before considering and assessing the risks, the HSE recommends following a plan, do, check and act approach, which is describing how health and safety is managed in the workplace and what the plan is in applying it then uh, the identified risks should be prioritized and controlled. Once the controls have been put in place, measure how the process is doing and learn from the experience and adjust accordingly. Now reverting back to the assessments themselves, focusing on the general assessment, employers are required by law to protect their employees from harm and under the Management of Health and Safety at Work Regulations 1999, employers as a minimum are expected to identify what could cause injury or illness known as hazards then decide how likely it is that someone could be harmed and how seriously known as the risk and then they are expected to take action to eliminate the hazard or if not possible control the risk as reasonably practicable so how would hazards be identified so you would start by assessing the area and workplace or site and think what may cause harm. So these are the known hazards and they are the most important aspect of the risk assessment and accurately identifying the potential hazards. So you would start by looking at how people work and how plant and equipment are used, 
what chemicals and substances are used, what safe or unsafe work practices exist, the general state of the space or site, and any potential long-term hazards to health, such as high levels of noise. Now, when we refer to a space as a workplace, this is defined as any premises or part of a premises, which are made available to any person as a place of work, and items like lighting, ventilation, temperature, toilets, and washing facilities need to be considered. So for each of the hazards identified, as per the items just mentioned, the employer must assess how employees, contractors, visitors, or members of the public might be harmed, and special attention needs to be considered also for vulnerable workers, such as people with disabilities, uh, any young workers, and so on. So employers are therefore legally obligated to inform their employees how to work safely and without risks to health and making sure they are aware of the hazards and risks they face. Uh, this includes providing them with the right information, for example, on how to follow energy procedures, uh, clear instructions, making sure everyone knows what they are expected to do, any training and necessary competence. So once hazards have been identified, employers will need to assess the likeliness of someone being harmed and how serious it could be. So this is typically known as assessing the level of risk. So this would be recorded in the risk assessment document and should include who might be harmed and how, what steps are already been taken to control the risks, what further actions are needed to control the risks, who needs to carry out the action, and when the action is needed by. So I've included a link to a risk assessment example um, template in the episode notes if you want to have uh, a better look. Now remember the risk assessment should only include what the employer can reasonably be expected to know. They are not expected to anticipate unforeseeable risks. Then the employer should also check with their employees what they think the hazards are which can help the employer identify the best way to control the risk. So basically asking for the employee's uh, opinion with items they identify as being hazards. Uh, and then the employer should also consider potential hazards towards people that might not be in the workplace all the time, uh, such as visitors, and how they may be harmed by certain activities. Then the employer should take the necessary steps to control the risks, um, by assessing if the hazard can be removed altogether, and if not, how can the risk be controlled to reduce harm? So if you stumble across uh, obstacles in eliminating the risk, it may be worth reconsidering some elements such as uh, the design, the materials, organizing the work to reduce exposure to the materials, machinery or process, uh, potentially identifying and implementing practical measures needed to work safely or provide personal protective equipment and making sure workers use them. So although you are not expected to eliminate all risks, as long as you demonstrate that all necessary measures that are reasonably practicable have been taken to protect people from harm, um, that should cover your position as taking all the necessary steps. So once controls have been identified, they should be applied and maintained and employers must always remember to keep a record of their significant findings, which includes the hazards, how people might be harmed by them, and what the employer has put in place to control the risks. 
So if the employer employs less than five people, they don't have to write anything down, although it is recommended for them to do so. But if the employer employs five or more people, they are expected to record their findings, um, including hazards, who might be harmed and how, and what is being done to control the risks. So the controls must then be reviewed to determine they are effective in case some may need to be reassessed. For example, if there are changes to the workplace that could lead to new risks, such as staff, um, a process or substance, and the risk assessment will need to be updated accordingly and reviewed regularly and up to date. Now let's look more closely at specific hazards, which I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, uh, which um, covers risk assessments to be carried out for specific hazards. So for example, let's look at working at height, which means work in any place where a person could fall a distance that can cause personal injury, which is the biggest cause of fatalities and major injuries uh, on construction sites. So in such instances, employers should carry out assessments to ensure work is planned properly, supervised and carried out by a competent person with the skills, knowledge and experience to do the job. So when it comes to assessing the skills with working at height, the height of the task needs to be considered along with the duration, the frequency and condition of the surface being worked on and try and minimize the risks by avoiding working at height where reasonably practicable, uh, trying to prevent falls using either an existing place of work, what is, uh, which is already safe, or the right type of equipment and try and minimize the distance and potential of falling by using the right type of equipment where risk uh, can't be eliminated. Uh, another example of specific work that requires uh, a specific assessment is manual handling. So manual handling causes over a third of all workplace injuries. These include um, work-related mus musculoskeletal disorders, such as pain and injuries to arms, legs, joints, uh, and repetitive strain injuries of various sorts. Uh, that can be obtained through a variety of activities, including lifting, lowering, uh, pushing, pulling and carrying. So in such uh, instances, employers need to put together a risk assessment in good uh, handling techniques, uh, whether lifting aids or equipment can be used to ease the task and if distances can be reduced to uh, further assist with this. So that's what I wanted to cover today with risk assessments. Uh, to sum up what I discussed, uh, risk assessments are required to identify the risks in the workplace, the measures required to be adopted to control them and maintain their control. There are two types of risk assessments, general and specific. General are for assessments of the health and safety risks to which employers and others are exposed to um, on the workplace and construction sites and specific assessments is where regulations require risk assessments to be carried out for specific hazards and state more thoroughly what is required. Uh, another note to remember is risk assessments should be written down, kept simple and to the point. And a risk assessment must be suitable and sufficient. And it should show that a proper check was made, 
The employer asked who might be affected. They dealt with all the obvious significant hazards, taking into account the number of people who could be involved. The precautions are reasonable and the remaining risk is low. The employees were involved in the process and remember the greater the hazard, the more robust and reliable measures to control the risk of an injury occurring need to be. As always, I like to provide you guys with a scenario just to put what I just went through into context. So today's scenario is that the HSE has contacted the practice you're working for and they have raised some concerns with the risk assessment and the access cleaning and maintenance strategy set for a university project that we are involved with. And you as an individual need to set out to your boss what we can do and what considerations we could have taken during that process uh, when we were developing the risk assessment and the access and maintenance strategy and also the involvement of the consultant that we had appointed to take the principal designer role and if we feel appointing them is the right decision to do for this project. So you would first start by expanding on delegating the principal designer role to the CDM consultant. We can say that we believe that the consultant has the required knowledge in terms of technical knowledge of the construction industry, skills, knowledge and experience to understand, manage and coordinate the pre-construction phase required from a principal designer. Uh, so we assume that they would be more than capable in undertaking the role. But before assigning that role to them, uh, we should determine their previous experience in relation to similar size projects uh, and complexity to understand that they have the necessary health and safety skills, knowledge and ability to plan, manage and monitor the pre-construction phase and then coordinate the process as required. Uh, and we also need to determine that they have the necessary training in undertaking the principal designer role uh, as outlined in the CDM regulations 2015 and determining their knowledge and training with regards to the HSE and if they have done so in previous projects. Uh, so, and also before assigning this role, uh, we should uh, send a letter to the client outlining the importance uh, of appointing a principal designer under the CDM regulations 2015 and bringing to their attention that they will need to be aware of the duties the principal designer will have to undertake as well as their own uh, duties as clients. But in general, um, you can recommend that we don't personally see any reasons why not to uh, delegate the role to the consultant, given obviously that they check out all the requirements uh, that you just previously outlined. Uh, so we can recommend that we can potentially go ahead um, and employ them if they do indeed tick off all the required uh, knowledge and expertise. Now, when it comes to the proper and safe access for the maintenance of the atrium, uh, we, when designed, we should have considered the frequency required um, for the atrium to be maintained, given it's three stories high, which should have been designed to require less maintenance. 
uh, and we should have also considered the implications of having mechanical roof lights and how these will need to be maintained um, and fixed if any malfunction occurs. So when we were designing the space, we should have tried to consider and reduce the hazards as part of the design. And if we couldn't completely remove the hazard, then we should have considered the access strategy more thoroughly and incorporated it into the operation and maintenance manual. So when developing our risk assessment, we should have identified within it the potential hazards and suggested ways to remove, reduce and manage them. And when it comes to the roof lights, although the mechanical system is a better solution than manually uh, openable roof lights, we could have considered a more natural approach in possibly providing ventilation through different means uh, rather than the roof lights. And since the natural light uh, will be filling the space during the daytime and the building might not be operational during night hours, uh, the lights um, close to the roof lights may not have been required or they could have been placed close to an internal balcony, for example, where operators can have uh, easy access to them. Additionally, uh, there were some smoke detectors uh, near the atrium which should have been placed uh, close to spaces where there is a possibility of fire because if they are close to the roof lights um, and since natural air will be passing through constantly, the smoke detectors might not have been required at those points. So at both pre and post innovation, we should have put together all the necessary documentation when it comes to identifying hazards, evaluating risks, recording findings of hazards, and kept our risk assessment updated and reviewed at each work stage, as well as working together with the contractor post novation to reduce hazards at every uh, stage and reassessing the strategies in place to improve health and safety measures. Uh, and also, we should have identified the means of reducing potential hazards and falling from height. That should have been carefully considered and eliminated as much as possible through different design uh, methodologies. So for such works, we will now possibly require trained operatives to maintain the atrium space using the required equipment for such works to be done safely. So this potentially adds unnecessary costs to the university for maintenance that we should have considered when we were designing the space. So now when it comes to actually composing the risk assessment, um, you could go back and say that we should have consulted the university uh, themselves for them to inform us of their common strategies and experience when it comes to access and maintenance and risk assessments by providing us with their operational manuals and their commonly used cleaning and maintenance strategy for us to incorporate into our risk assessment. So we should have discussed our strategies with the facilities management and involve them in every design team and progress meeting. Uh, additionally, when the risk assessment was being developed, we should have considered all hazards identifiable uh, and foreseeable as part of our duties as uh, designers under the CDM regulations 2015 to address all health and safety issues from the beginning of a project. So also taking into account the general principles of prevention in design work, 
we should have considered the workplace health, safety and welfare regulations to take into account positions of lighting, smoke detectors and so on. And we should have highlighted within our risk assessment the risk of falling from height while replacing and maintaining any equipment and the risk of objects falling from height and causing harm to a member of the general public. So during the development of our risk assessment, we should have reviewed the spaces and design and recorded the potential hazards, how people may be harmed by them and what we can have in place to control the risks. So our risk assessment should have been uh, made clear what checks have been carried out with regards to access, cleaning and maintenance and who may be affected, how we dealt with the obvious significant hazards, reasonable precautions and any remaining risks uh, that have been reduced uh, considerably. So provided we gave uh, our design risk assessment to the uh, potential consultant that we'll be we will be appointing, um, they should have informed us as well that the information we provided was not considering certain hazards and we should have arranged for a meeting with them to discuss our risk assessment and agree on the required principles. And also as part of our duties, uh, we must make the client aware of their duties and set up regular meetings with them to discuss the project, which if we had done they probably would have advised us of their maintenance strategies and we would have adopted um, a suitable strategy uh, to suit the facilities. With eight weeks away from completing the project, we should review our strategy in collaboration with the client and the CDM consultant uh, and discuss and agree on the next steps forward to provide the required strategies with regards to access cleaning and maintenance of the atrium space to reduce risks as much as possible since any accidents will set us as liable for negligence and not proceeding with our duties of reasonable skill and care. So that can be what you provide your manager with and your initial thoughts on the process uh, and that should cover what they need to do next um, and if you ever come across something like this you roughly know how you can go about starting to tackle the problem and that concludes today's episode if you would like to get in contact with me please feel free to email me on the address provided in the show notes thank you for listening this is an educational show aimed at supporting the future generation of architects. The information, opinions and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. Please join me next week for some more Part 3 with me time.